Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Man, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so honored to be here. I love some Sunday church and Sunday nights even better. I love it. You're here because you're serious. I'm serious. I'm here. I'm so glad I made it. I'm so glad I was invited. I'm glad to be here because my wife's put me on a diet tomorrow. I'm going to eat like it's 1999 in Jesus name. You're all laughing. I'm dead serious. She just sent me a video of broccoli and all these little crispy, weird stuff. Uh, either way, either way, that's where we're at. Hey, if you've got a copy of God's word, it's because you're going to heaven when you die. And turn to Ephesians chapter six. If you don't have a copy, God still loves you and you have a mobile device. And I do encourage you to jot a few things down. I just want to share from my heart a little bit of where God has me and has actually put me in the midst of um, personally. And I know this, the whole reason that I have the privilege of being here is heart for the kingdom. And I know if you're going to be about the kingdom, you've got to be about what God says to prepare us and to get us in the game of kingdom mindset and warring for the cause of Christ and building his kingdom. And this isn't something that's just some nomenclature. This is the real deal. This is God's heart for you. This is God's heart for me. And we've got to be serious about it. Matter of fact, if you look at the book of Ephesians, you basically can, can break it down into four W's. The first chapter of the book of Ephesians is about your wealth, not your money necessarily, but about what God has given you, the richness of God. You have so much as a Christ follower of currency that's put inside of you, richness, goodness, spiritual access to great things, to do great things, to believe God for great things. As you walk in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you can read about that in Ephesians chapter one In Ephesians chapter two, it talks about how you have richness in Christ. There's spiritual blessings in Christ, all the riches that are yours in Jesus Christ, how we come to be saved and, and what transpires there. That wealth is, is chapter one and two. If you look at chapter three and four of the book of Ephesians, you, it talks about your walk, how to walk worthy, how to walk worthy in the high calling of who we are. And by the way, your walk with Christ matters. And, and so many times people are like, hey, God loves you. Your, you know, your past is, is not your destiny. You can do it. And all that's true. But the truth is this, if you know Christ, you're going to be passionate about your walk with Christ. I'm talking about personal disciplines. I'm talking about the way you have your habits, what you post on social media. You get serious about your walk with God because God is serious. And, and we're not casual about this. We're not haphazard about this. We're not trying to see what we can get away with. We're trying to see what we can do for the cause of Christ to build it for his glory. And as you look at chapters three and four, it's all about that and how you and I are sons and daughters and princes and princesses in, in the kingdom of God. And then you go to chapter five of the book of Ephesians and it's about weddings. Yes, I've got all W's here. Sorry, it's seminary habit here. So you got all these, the, the wedding and it talks about your personal relationship in your marriage and what marriage should look like. And also what your marriage reflects, even as a single person in your relationship with Jesus Christ, your groom, and you're his bride. 
And it gives you specifics for success in your marriage and in your relationship, your marriage, if you will, with Jesus so that you can win. I mean, how, you want, how many of you want a successful marriage? Raise your hand. Okay, that's important. How many of you want a, a great marriage with Jesus, your groom? Okay, it's so important. And you've got to reflect that. You've got to reflect that. And then lastly, and this is where I want to camp, Ephesians chapter six is all about warring. And taking kingdom ground and having a heart for the kingdom is just about, it's just that, taking kingdom ground. Square foot after square foot after square foot after square foot after square foot. And that we are doing everything we can to empty hell and just pack them in heaven in Jesus name. That's the, I'm taking every clap I can get. I'm telling you right now, it's cold up here. I don't know what people think and I don't know what people's purpose is, but people who are missing out on getting on the team for the cause of Christ as a Christ follower, it weirds me out. It's just like, oh yeah, I love God and care bears and hugs and smooch. I don't know what it is, but it's just weird. It weirds me out. I mean, we're warring here. I mean, I got people on the edge and the ledge of literal spiritual death and somewhat, in some cases, physical death. And you're telling me that we're going to kind of go at this prayer deal and kind of go at this spiritual. No, it's a war. We're in a battle. And the scripture shows us that actually all through chapter six. It's so powerful. It's so beautiful. And the scripture is encouraging you and I to be about this battle. Matter of fact, let me just read to you. Um, I, I, actually, can I just start in, in, in verse number 10? And that's where I'm going to be. And Tom, I'm sorry I didn't give you the, the scripture references on this, but I'm just going to be 10 through 18 of Ephesians 6. And I'm, I think I'm reading out of the Niv, uh, which I am. But here's what it says. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I don't know about you. That's enough for me. <laughs> Be strong in the Lord. People are like, oh man, I'm so weak. I'm so weak. You know what weakness for most people is? It's a casual way to say I'm living in sin. You, you don't have a weakness. You've got a stronghold. I'm about to get deep and it's PM. We're going to get crazy in here. I'm telling you right now. Listen, you don't have a weakness. You've got a stronghold. We ain't weak. I got all God living in me. And the scripture says, not only that, be strong in the Lord. And then it says, and in his mighty power. We got a double dose. There's a dichotomy of dunamis right here in Jesus' name. There's some dynamite power. I got a weakness? No, I don't. You got a stronghold. Quit calling sin a weakness. Get rid of it. Are there things you're going to trip up on? No doubt about it. I joked about it being carbs this morning, but I'm dead serious. It could be food. I don't know what it is for you. Most of the time for me, it's my tongue. I got the curse of words. I mean, I can just say things. I remember the probably year two of my marriage. My wife's like, man, I'm struggling. I just, I'm constantly. And I said, did you have your quiet time this morning? Bad idea. That's marriage 101. No, no. I don't need to be asking my wife. She had her quiet time. What an idiot. I'm so stupid. But I have the curse of words. I got to guard my tongue. I've got it. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, that I need God to control it so that my heart's speaking his heart. There's no doubt about that. But that's not a weakness. Probably what you have is a stronghold and you need to do everything you can to bind the strong man in Jesus name because you already got victory over it. 
You already have the power over. It says, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. And then it says this, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand. And look what it says so you can stand against. The devil's schemes. I like some King James every once in a while. It's just old, dirty, 13th century Elizabethan English. Mm, yes, Lord. Yes, I need some. It says the wiles of the devil. Woo, yes. Do you love that? That's a tattoo for all you people that love ink. Get you some of that. I say no to the wiles. Just put that right there above your waistline. See what people say. I can tell you. I just know that, listen, the enemy has a plan and he wants to keep you in some type of lie. And the problem with this is he's not going to be coming in with a pitchfork and devil horns. He's going to give you Christian lies. I, I mentioned one this morning. God knows my heart. I mentioned one this morning. God's word, the New Testament doesn't teach tithing. I said one this morning, you know what? I don't have to go to the building to be obedient to Christ. Now I'm not against online. I love it. Matter of fact, there are people plugging in, but I do know this, that the scripture teaches that if you want to be healed, you need a church. It says you're supposed to go to the elders of your church. They anoint you with oil. Who are you going to? I mean, I I can go on and on and on about being a part of a local church and serving in the local church, but we've got Christian lies. You know, just things where we feel like we can, either way, I don't want to get people discouraged. I want to give you tools. The scripture tells us to be strong in the Lord. And by the way, this is not an opinion. It's a command. It doesn't say you can be strong. I believe in you. No, it says be strong. Have you ever looked at your kids when they are just whiny bohinies and you're just like, you don't say shut your mouth because we're better parents than that. In the 90s, you said, shut your mouth. You don't now, okay? But, but I, I just look right at my kids and I was like, come on, quit whining, right? That's what the scripture's saying here to you. Be strong, stand up. It's 2021, quit backpedaling, quit worrying about offending somebody. The gospel's offensive. I'm not saying do it on purpose. I'm just saying this, live with conviction and it's gonna be offensive, but you need to stand strong, be strong. Be strong. And then it says in his mighty power, which is a verb passive. If you look at it in the original language, it's a passive voice that means empowering. Let the power of his might empower you, making you strong to do what's necessary through the power of the Holy Spirit. Power, might, kratos in the original language. And it means intensity of power intensity of power. And then there's ichus there in the language as well, which means power itself. In other words, be powerful and mighty in his mighty, powerful power. Oh, come on. That is, gets me jacked up. And we say we can't overcome an addiction. Yes, we can. I got all of God's power living in me. Do you be strong? Quit whining. Shut your mouth. Be obedient, stand up. I'm not backing down. And that's how we should live. And I'm not saying be mad. And I don't even know why I'm yelling. I am saying this though. There's sometimes I need a coach. This is called, if you're a commentary writer, write this down. This is coaching language. God Almighty is coaching you. Sometimes you don't need, oh, it's all right, little bubs. No, you need, get up, let's go. Shoot the three. Keep shooting the ball. Get in the game. Get your helmet back on. Let's go. 
Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on your kids. Stand up. And God's word's teaching us and telling us to do just that. In his mighty powers, powers might. I love that. In Duna Moss, empowering through dynamite. That's literally what it means. Dunamis is the same word we get our word dynamite. We got some power up in this place. And then it says, put on the full armor of God. And it actually says it twice. If you read on a couple of verses down, it says, put on the full armor of God. It says the first time is basically invoking our will. The second time he says it, it's basically showing us how and what. And we'll break that down in just a moment. And Romans 13 says it the same way. It says, put aside the deeds of the darkness and put on the armor of light. Romans 13, 12 says that. That's a great one to memorize, by the way. Why does he tell us to put on our armor? Let me tell you why. Because we're warring for the kingdom. There's a fourth dimension. The enemy's out to get us. He's out to tear you up, to tear me up, to tear our marriage up, to tear up our culture, to tear up the local church. And you and I have got to put our armor on because, listen, we're not fighting like Strawberry Shortcake and Casper the Friendly Ghost. Man, we're fighting demonic plans. This guy's been doing this for centuries. And he's doing everything he can to trip you up and to cut you out of the race. Matter of fact, you know friends that used to be here on a PM service, used to serve this church, used to give to this church, and the enemy cut in on them, and you're like, where'd the heck they go? They didn't armor up. You got to armor up. And you're like, oh, it won't happen to me. Yeah, it will. You got to armor up. You got to be ready. We're in a serious battle here. The church is in a serious battle. We're not in a culture war. We're in a heavenly battle for kingdom square footage in Jesus' name. And we got to get serious about this. And when I say we, I I mean me. We got to get serious about this. It says put on the full armor. And then the next thing it says is stand. It says stand. The armor is God's, but the stand is ours. Oh, I'm going to start preaching right now. We love the armor of God in our closet. We love all about it, but here's the thing. You can have all the armor you want, but until you put it on and stand up, you're not doing what God said to do with it. It says to put on the full armor of God and stand. You know, you need to stand for your kids. Parents, listen to me. We got a culture of kids. I got a bunch of 20-somethings in my house. And let me tell you, they don't live in my house. I kicked them out. But but they're in my house, so to speak. And and I know this. They are desperate for answers. They come over, sit and sip on coffee late at night and ask me questions about gender, about the issue of finances, about the issue of a political system, the issue of America, the issue of capitalism. They're asking every question. You know why? Because there's no truth out there. We got to put the armor on, stand up and get serious about this battle for our kids. Stand up for your kids. Stand up for your marriage. Stand up for your church. Stand up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stand up. Stand the armor up. Don't just let it lay in your closet. In that pretty armor? I was nine years old. I was given that armor and it's just laying in the closet. Put it on. Stand up. And if you need an extension belt, Jesus will give you one. Yeah, and put it on so long it's the wrong size, bless God. You're not a 32. Get a 40 waist pair of pants in Jesus' name. Y'all look in the mirror and think you're 18. You ain't. 
Get the armor on anyway and stand up with it. Stand for the gospel. Stand for your marriage. Stand for the word of God. Stand for the truth of God. The reason we don't armor up, the reason we don't stand up, here's why. You don't have an enemy. You will never armor up when you don't have an enemy. The reason you don't armor up against the enemy is because you're sleeping with him. You're dating him on Friday night. You're drinking with him secretly in your closet. You're addicted to whatever, and he's let you, and you can't fight against your friend. People sit back and they're like, man, I'm just not like a... Listen, unless you have an enemy, you're not fighting. You ain't armoring up. I don't have to. I don't have an enemy. I'm, he's my bubs. I mean, I know he's a bad guy, but you know what? That, you know, that Mary Jane ain't bad and that addicted to the alcohol ain't bad. And a little secret here on my phone ain't that bad. And a little bit of here, this, that. And, you know, maybe uh, direct messaging people on Facebook. My old girlfriend, boy, it ain't that bad. You can't armor up against somebody you're on the same team with. I took a little time to watch a little TV while I was in the airport and I saw this team that has the best helmet and the best uniform in college football, the Michigan Wolverines. That is the best. When they go all Navy and wear that helmet, it is the be- that's the best uniform. And I'm an Arkansas Razorback junkie. I love the Hogs. But that's the best looking all Navy. Oh, I'm like, I don't even know what go blue means. But I can tell you, everybody in that stadium in Ann Arbor did. And they all had blue on. There was no question what team you're on. You go to work and your coworkers don't even know what team you're on. You know why? Because you laugh at the same booby jokes they laughed at. Yes, I said booby in church. There's a whole book on it. Song of Solomon. Read it and keep laughing. Then go to Awana's and get right with God. But you sit there and laugh at the same dirty jokes. Armor up. Stand up. Get serious about this enemy, the wiles of the devil, Bobby. Get serious about it. And watch God change the world. People are coming to our church in a small community in droves. You know why? Because we're preaching truth. People are desperate for it. You got to stand up. Why are you afraid of offending somebody? They ain't afraid of offending you. They're going to offend you. Now, I'm not saying argue with trolls on Twitter. I'm not saying that. Matter of fact, let me tell you, your greatest truth needs to be with your closest 12. I'm going to help somebody right here. The reason you don't spew it out on Facebook, the reason you don't spew it out on Instagram is because they're not there. You don't need to be. I don't want to say they're not worthy of hearing close stuff, but I will say this. Jesus with thousands shared broadly. Jesus with 12 shared the most important things. Don't put your stuff out there on Twitter. Don't be trying to fight the thousands. You share truth with thousands. When you get with your close people, then you can talk about some issues. Maybe it is political. Maybe it is an issue in your marriage. Maybe it is an addiction you have. That's with your 12. The thousands, you just throw out the word of God. You throw out direction. You throw out hope. You throw out dreams. That's what you do on social media in the big picture. And then when you get with your 12, then you can share those. And you've got to stand. But if you don't have an enemy... I can tell you right now, you're not going to overcome. You're not going to build kingdom. You're not going to see great things happen in your life if you're constantly hugging on him. You're like, oh man, I never do that. Every time you decide to live a life that is stiff arming God's truth in your life, you're embracing the enemy. And your intention is not to do that. I know that. But you have to put on. 
It doesn't say think about it. It says put on the full, the whole armor of God. And the reason we don't is because he's not our enemy. I like to say it this way. You don't say yo to a foe. You know, yeah, yo, what up? You don't say that to a foe. I can promise you, I watched when they were talking to those Ohio State Buckeyes. They weren't saying yo. They were saying things I can't repeat in this building right now to each other. You can't sit back and go, you know what? I do like that drink. You know what? I do like that smoke. You know, I do like cheating on my spouse. You know, I do like that emotional disconnect. You can't do that. Armor up. And let me just tell you, you will be tempted. It's not a sin to be tempted. There's nothing greater than having temptation, standing up, putting the armor on and going, you know what? Forget you. Shut up, devil. Resist him. Hallelujah. And and I'm just saying, when you get in that place in your life, it's because you recognize that I'm warring for kingdom. And when you got a kingdom heart, you're saying no to sin. This is a promise from God. The enemy has basically, I think, four or five schemes that he wants to trip us up on. And, And you know all the pieces of the puzzle and standing and you know the belt you know, the belt of truth. You've heard all this stuff. I'm not here to break that down, but I am going to give you the schemes. What I want to give you what you need to plan for. In other words, if there's an X and O of the game of having a heart for the kingdom and building the kingdom, I want to give you what the enemy, the scouting report, if you will, of the enemy so that you can win for your kids, for yourself, for your marriage, for your future, for your business, for our culture. Because you know that the belt is connected to everything. You know why that's it. That's why he says it first. Because it connects to every piece. And what is it? It says it's the belt of, do you remember? Do you remember what it is? It's the belt of what? Of truth. Oh, I, oh, come on, 2021. Man, if he can just get you to get the truth off, nothing works. That's why he's always hacking on the truth. That's why you're sitting there. That's why my kids are desperate for it. I love my kids in my 20s. I love teenagers, but I love them in my 20s. Man, they are asking all the stuff. And even my daughter came to me, my 27-year-old daughter. She's single. She's uh, uh, basically loving on foster kids. She's got an unbelievable ministry. And she was just like, Dad, how do I communicate to someone who truly is battling homosexuality the gospel message of Jesus Christ? And I was like, I love this. I love this. And so I just shared with them. I said, start with the issue of how they desire to have purity in a homosexual relationship. I love weirding out people who are battling homosexual issues or in a homosexual relationship. And I was like, well, what's your plan for marriage? I just throw them off. And they're like, he actually asked me that, you know, cause they're always playing the victim mentality. So I just throw it out there. What's your plans for marriage? Okay. You plan to stay pure before marriage? <laughs> they're all like, what? You know what I'm saying? I was like, well, you're already off God's plan. If you think it's God's will. And then we walk from there and then we talk about the truth of man and woman, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, they're desperate for truth. And the enemy knows if he can unbuckle truth in society, unbuckle truth in a marriage, unbuckle truth about what the local church and what God says about the local church, everything else falls apart. You know, the helmet, it's all about protecting your mind. If you've got a weirded out mind, you've got a weirded out heart. You've got to take every thought captive. You need the helmet of what? Of salvation. You got to remind yourself, I'm saved. I got God's power. I'm saying, yes, I'm not choosing that stupid thought. I'm not believing I'm a loser. I'm not listening to that lie. I'm taking every thought captive. I'm a child of God in Jesus' name. I'm on the winning team. I'm victorious. That happens in your mind. It happens in your mind. 
But the, but the opponent's schemes are very simple. Here, here's the first scheme of the devil. It's division. It's division. All through the scripture. Start at the very beginning when he was just a snake on his feet and his hands. And then eventually he's on his belly. But you remember what he said to Eve, Adam and Eve there? Do you remember what he said? He didn't say, believe in me and follow me. Isn't that wild? He said, oh, I've got my own kingdom. Come follow me. He didn't say that, did he? What did he say? Division. Division. It's the same way, whether it's parenting. Now, you know, mom, she's like division. Oh, you know how your dad is division. He says, did God really say? And the scheme hadn't changed in thousands of years. I mean, God really say tithe. Did God really say you have to go to church? Did God really say, and don't get me on church. I'm, at, I, I'm preaching messages on it, making people mad every day. I call them remembership messages. It's when people come to your church and say, oh yeah, I remember when I went there. Because I mean, it, it, the scripture's so clear, not only about attendance, but you were given a gift to serve it. Now I get the online and I get sickness and I get all that. But I just believe God has given us a time right now where the Holy Spirit can work and move in and through the local church like never before. And the enemy is trying to stir up division. It's all division. And don't even get me started on vaccinating and unvaccinated. Don't even get me started on mask and unmask. Don't even get me started on triple boosters. I don't even want to go there. But I'm telling you, whether it's that or whether it's in-house or out-of-house or online or on-site or working at a job or this, what are you doing for your kids? It's all division. And as long as I can keep you to, did God really say that he's winning? He's winning. That's why you don't make it about that. You make it about yes to Jesus Christ as the Lord boss rescue of your life or you say no. He wants to divide in every relationship of your life, your marriage, which Ephesians 5 talks about. And then before we get to putting on the full armor of God, you remember the relationship he talks about? Kids. He's doing everything to do. The enemy's doing everything he can to divide, 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 divide social classes, white, black, doesn't matter what it is. It's all about division. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Rich, poor, Here's what the scripture says, that we wage war not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of what? Of darkness. When you're arguing with your wife and you just don't know what to say, say this, we wage war, quote it, we wage war not against flesh and blood. This isn't about you and me. This is the enemy doing what he can to stir up what he can to get us to be ineffective for the cause of Christ. Because there's no greater picture of the institution first that God created, which is the church, and now the mirror image of that marriage, and he wants to do everything he can to make it weak. That's why even when my marriage doesn't feel red hot, I'm preaching that it is red hot. I just believe it. You can speak life or you can speak damnation. You get to choose to speak it. I'm speaking. My wife's my girlfriend. She's hot. And she is, by the way. And she is my girlfriend. She's been my girlfriend for 28 years. I, I, when my phone's answered, it says, your girlfriend's calling. Hallelujah. Yes, she's my girlfriend. And we date and make out in the car. Thank you, God. We were traveling the other day. I got crazy, pulled off an exit, started making out, and a state trooper from Georgia came up and said, what are y'all doing in here? I was like, you know what I'm doing. Move on, buddy. <laughs> it's illegal to pull over on the side of the road. I was like, I know. That must make it so exciting. <laughs> You're laughing. It's a true story. <laughs> At Cindy O'Dell, direct messenger, just say Georgia State Police. You'll be like, oh, my Lord, he told that story. I've got to go with him from now on. 
Oh, that was a great night. I love you, Lord. I didn't know you could fog windows up that fast, but that was fast. Of course, I am a little overweight. Either way, what am I talking about? I'm getting lost here. Flesh and blood. I got to get home. Either way, let me say. He wants to stir up division. He wants to stir up division. Have you ever seen our culture so divided? Can I even talk about this in time? Have you ever seen anything like it? Have you ever seen anything like it? Don't even get me started on division in politics. I mean, look at every area of life. I've got a friend of mine who's in the Methodist church. Yes, we're still friends. He's in a Methodist church and he's like, I'm going to have to leave my denomination because of the division there over the issue of same-sex marriage and homosexual ordination. And I was like, why is that an issue? He's like, what? I was like, well, do you believe the Bible is true? (laughs) Don't get in that cot. Don't get in that mess. Just tell them you love them and say, hey, if we're not going to abide by the Bible, I love you. Hug them, kiss them. Hopefully you'll get to see them in heaven one day. Move on. Don't argue with them. Don't get on the blogs. Don't get in some deal. Don't do an interview with the TV. Roll out. Pray blessing on whatever that's left and move on. You know what I'm saying? It's that simple. I ain't arguing with somebody whether or not I'm vaxxed or not. I'm just not even doing it. I'm not doing it at all. I tell everybody I've been immunized. It was when I was in kindergarten, but still I tell everybody. And if you want to get vaxxed, I'll hug and kiss on you. I think it's great. I have no problem with any of that. My point is this. I'm not going to let division. He's he's been doing this game for years. Let's stay focused on God's love, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Let's suit up in ourselves and let's put on the gospel shoes. Oh, don't you love that? My dog knows every time I'm getting ready to leave. Every time. You know why? Because I'm putting my shoes on. So does the enemy. He knows I'm coming. You know why? Because I'm lacing up and I'm not going to church so I can feel good about myself. I'm going to see God change lives. I'm just lacing them up. I just envision I got them old boxer shoes on that lace up to your knees. I don't know if that's boxer or what it is, but I just, I just, oh, come on. I'm just like, yes, I'm lacing up the gospel shoes. And guess what? It's not the gospel of division. It's the gospel of. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. I got about eight weeks worth of messages on this, but I'm just going to spend the next nine minutes on the last few points of division. You know what else he does? He removes hope. It's been his plan from the beginning. Second Timothy two says this, it says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Oh, we're battling for the kingdom for the kingdom. Woo. God's kingdom. We serve a king that's already won. We're in his kingdom right now. And it says, join me in suffering like a good soldier. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the world's mess. And it says this, but rather tries to please, you know, the verse his commanding officer. That'll keep you focused. And when you do so, you focus on the gospel. Jesus came for one purpose, to seek and save the lost. We stay focused on that. And the enemy's trying to remove hope, remove hope, remove hope. Stay focused on what Jesus said. And I believe this with all my heart. I believe the church is getting ready and it it is in the beginning moments. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I'm just telling you what I sense and I feel from the Holy Spirit. I believe there was an early rain. I believe there's a latter rain. I believe the church is in the latter rain and we're getting ready to see an outpouring of God's goodness like never before and effectiveness. The church is going to work 
work and move. I believe this is what God told me. We're going to become the steeple again in the center of the community like we were hundreds of years ago in Jesus' name. I believe that. I believe this is a steeple church. I believe God's going to use it as a beacon in the community. Why was the steeple there? Because when you rode into town, you wanted to know where the center of the community was. It was the local church. And I believe the latter rain is coming on us. And the enemy's wanting to say, oh, church, oh, no one's coming. All this, that, blah, blah, blah. This, No, it's not. We're in the greatest days. The church is greater than ever. It's going to be more effective than ever. And we are the hope of the world in Jesus' name. Don't let the enemy steal your hope. Don't worry about your kids. Your kids are going to carry it in Jesus' name. If we'll suit up, stand up, and fight for them. Stand up. Get in the game. Get an enemy. He wants to remove hope. Here's the third thing he wants to do. He wants to make you tired. He wants to make you weary. He wants to make you weary. Oh, man. It's just... This culture and this, this, the other. First Peter says this, chapter five, be alert, sober mind. Your enemy, the devil prowls around. You already know it, like a roaring lion, looking for someone to, come on, say it again, to, that doesn't kill you. That's to take away your hope and to wear you out. And, and I'm just saying, I, people ask me all the time, how are you doing? I never say I'm tired. I may be physically tired. I always say I'm jacked up and ready to rock. Let's go. Let's, you know, let's, I'm on fire. And I am usually. But it's not a personality thing. It's a biblical thing. And the enemy wants to make you weary. He wants to wear you out. I've seen more pastors. I've seen more pastors quit the ministry in the last nine months, 10 months, than I have in my 31 years of ministry. I'm talking like had substantial God. I'm just blessed in so many ways and I just quit. And I know a lot of church members quit too. I know for our church, a pastor was even asking me earlier, 10% of our church has quit. I mean, they're not even online. Don't let the enemy get you weary. Listen, and if you, you will be weary, but weariness, listen, we got all of God's power. We got all of his strength. When you're weak, he is. Mm. And the last thing is this, maybe David just play quietly is he wants you to rely on the wrong things instead of rebuking the wrong things. He wants you to rely on them. He wants you to rely on whatever it may be, politics, the government, vaccination, being unvaxxed, some political stance, some opinion, some cultural piece. He wants you to rely on that instead of what? Armoring up and rely on the truth of the holy word of God. And when you do that, guess what? Then you're gonna be able to rebuke and you're going to know the difference between truth and lies. And that's so, so important. That allows you to move forward as you put on, verse 13, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, it doesn't say if the day, it says when the day. It's coming. You're like, I can't believe this is happening. God already told us it's going to happen. Whatever it is you're battling. You put it on so when, you're prepared in advance. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able, here it is again, to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, what's the scripture say? Stand. Oh, come on. Yes, Jesus. And when you've done everything to stand, stand up anyway. Don't rely on the wrong things. I'm standing up, I'm armored up, and I'm putting on the belt of truth. 
You know what I love about the belt? The belt was not just around the waist. It actually, the scripture says, and if you go King James, because you just need a little King James every once in a while, it says to gird up your loins. In other words, the belt had pieces that not only protected your waist, it protected your most private parts. Listen to me. Here's what the Spirit of God is saying to you right now. If the truth never affects the most private areas of your life, you've never been changed. And guess who knows the private, most inmost parts of you? Only you. Or if you're married, your spouse. You know, before the priest could even walk into the Holy of Holies, he had to put on a certain pair of boxer briefs I mean, the measurement and everything was there. It had to be mid-thigh, exactly what it was made out. Why? Because only God in the priest knew if he had everything on the inside right. That's the real truth. And only you know too. And as you protect the most private areas of your life, the most pure or potentially unpure areas of your life, guess what? Only you and God know. And once you settle that, you're in the game. You're confident. You stand tall. But if you know that the inmost, the private places of your life, the enemy's basically ransacked, stolen, you're always looking in the corner of your eye and going, oh, someone's going to find me out. You can't stand up. But if you just buckle the truth and, and take care of the, the inside, the private places, the secret places, Ooh, nothing's going to, I mean, you're going to be so bold. You're going to be like, bring it on. You know what one of our greatest joys in life is, is that anyone in this room can grab this iPad, just my personal iPad, look at any search history, anything they want to see. You know what they're going to see? Purity. You know what? You're like, oh man, that's arrogant. No, it isn't because my wife can get on here anytime she wants. More importantly, the Holy Spirit sees it every time. And I love it. I'm just like, get on my history. I love my wife just to pilfer through my phone. I got guys that go to the shower with their phone because they're so afraid their wife's going to see what they've been looking at. See, you can't stand in boldness if the truth doesn't have the inmost parts of you, the girding up your loins. But once you have that, oh, you're like, let's go. I'm ready because I know I'm going to stand it. I had a buddy the other day. He's like, oh man, I know you CrossFit. I, I love CrossFit too. I was like, go work out with me. Oh yeah, I work out. We do CrossFit workouts all the time. I was like, okay, come work out with me. He's 31 years old. Great guy. Led him to Christ, baptized him. His name's Eric. And I was like, come on, go with me. He goes, oh, I do it all the time. I was like, why don't you come with me? And he finally said, yes. Well, about round two of 10, he was in the bathroom. I mean, literally, I could hear him just blowing his leftover macaroni grill he ate at the night before. I mean, just black olives and noodles just flying all in there and just... Bleh. I was like, Eric, this isn't part of the workout. We didn't say that you're supposed to gag yourself and throw up. Where did you see that? My point is this. You can say all day you love Jesus. You can say all day that I CrossFit. But until you're in the game ready to confidently stand up, take on 10 rounds with the enemy, you know you're prepared. Because on the inmost places, not in my mind, but in my heart and my actions, I'm saying, yes, I'm ready to stand. Do whatever it takes to win for the cause of Christ. I'm standing for the church. I'm taking kingdom ground for my kids. My marriage, my future, and for America. 
If you're ready to stand, do it right now. Do it right now, symbolically, just stand in Jesus' name. I'm ready to stand for you. I'm ready to live for you. I'm ready to be obedient in victory for you. I'm putting it on. I'm not looking at it. It's not some museum. It's not some case somewhere going, ooh, look at my armor. No, I'm strapping it on, getting an extension belt if I gained a little weight since the last time I had it on. And I'm standing up because my kids deserve it. This morning, my son... KJ, he's 20 years old. He's a graphic design major at the University of Arkansas and he serves our church. He was there this morning at 7.15. Here's what he said. He said, Dad. He said, Dad, I'm praying that you light Michigan on fire. That's what he said. And I was like, I'm standing for him. You know why I'm staying married? I love my wife, but I'm staying married because it's, I want to bring God glory. I don't want my 20-year-old son to see that somebody, oh, I just casually unzip my pants. I just casually jump in bed with somebody else. I just casually click on that. No, I'm standing. This culture needs it. Your family needs it. Your coworkers need it. Put on the armor. Let's stand up. Serve this church. Get passionate about it here. Get here early. Do whatever it takes. Clean windows. Wipe down urinals. Just walk around this place and pray. And let's watch God use us to get a new kingdom heart to take kingdom ground in Jesus' holy name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just pray this right now? Help me put it on right now, God. I'm standing in Jesus' name. Just pray it right there. You might even get radical and pray it out loud. I'm putting on the full armor of God and your mighty, mighty power. And I just feel led that someone here needs to accept Christ. I don't want to just pretend it's PM service and and you don't know, but I heard the spirit say it even as I said, he's your enemy. It's your enemy. And you're like, no, he's not my enemy. Well, guess what? You need to stop letting him be your bubs. Make him your enemy now by making Jesus the Lord. Just pray this prayer. Just say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I'm repenting of my sin. I'm turning the other way and joining your team. Be the boss of my life. Take the reins of my life. And just because I believe those moments of invitation are public, just like Noah's Ark, if you prayed that in a minute and you said yes to Jesus, like it's the very first time, no one looking around, just slip your hand up real quick. Just say, I did tonight. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, thank you for these moments. Thank you for your word. Let us live it out. Let us walk it out. Let us stand up like never before until your return as we have a heart for your kingdom and we take kingdom ground. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Let's give God glory through applause. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.